stories of the Jewish communities of Africa. in the internet. We are broadcasting live from Camp Reminder Berkshires. I'm David Goodman and with me today uh, my name is Simcha Bochart. Hello Simcha. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, so firstly I'll start by introducing uh, my position at camp. I am Rosh Farm uh, all the way near the, uh, the golf course. Um, and this is my second year at camp. Uh, I was last year uh, in the Berkshires in 2016 where I was Rosh Teva. Um, I'm, from, I'm originally from Zimbabwe. I was born and raised in Harare, which is the capital city, and now live in Jerusalem, and I made Aliyah in 2018. Okay, this is, sounds like there is a very, very fascinating story behind it. So let's start in Zimbabwe. What's happening over there? Um, so I'll say Zimbabwe is a very beautiful country. The population is about 14 million, 14 million people. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, right now Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe is experiencing a lot of economic hardship, a lot of difficulties. Uh, there's 90% unemployment in the country where I come from. And many people face, you know, starvation. And it's, it's something that's very difficult for me because it's a country with so much potential. Um, it's just, it's, it's experiencing a lot of, like, political unrest and, and difficulty at the moment. And within Zimbabwe, uh, what is happening, like, in terms of uh, Jewish communities? Is there, like, a Jewish community in Zimbabwe? Uh, so, yes, there is a Jewish community. There are actually different kinds of Jewish communities. So, um, and I happen to be part of both. So there's a, a Sephardi community. Uh, they originally came from Rhodes uh, and then settled in, in Zimbabwe. And then there's an Ashkenazi community. They originally came from Lithuania and settled in Zimbabwe, which was then called uh, Rhodesia before Zimbabwe gained independence. Um, and that population now came from being 7,500 Jews to a population of only about 200 Jews in the whole country. When did they arrive to Zimbabwe, the Sephardim, the Ashkenazi? Uh, I'm not so sure about the, the dates. Okay. Yes. Um, but I know a lot uh, for like from, <coughs> from Rhodes were fleeing persecution and some ended up in the Congo and some ended up in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. There's another unique community in Zimbabwe called the Lemba tribe. Lemba, what is the meaning of Lemba? I have no idea what Lemba means, okay. but uh, their ancestors, uh, you know, uh, left about the time, of the, sac- uh, the time of the destruction of the Second Temple, and then they traveled to Yemen. They left Yemen, and then they traveled to Africa. And this group of, uh, this, this tribe continued to practice Judaism, but more like more biblical Judaism. So they keep Shabbat, they keep Kashrut, and Brit Milah. They didn't have Talmudic Judaism, um, 
and so now there's this community is trying is working on reaching out <clears throat> it was reaching out to a uh, bigger world jury and connecting and uh, there's a nonprofit organization called Kulanu that works with them and we have volunteers come to Zimbabwe we've had rabbis we've had edu- educators you name it come and teach how big know. is this tribe this tribe uh, in Zimbabwe there are about 50,000 of them 50,000 yes and do they recognize themselves as Jews so it's yes they do uh, some ended up converting to other religions but deep down like the Lemba strongly identify with their Jewish roots uh, and so there's still a good number of Lemba Jews who are who are still practicing Judaism and there's actually a synagogue in in the capital city where I was born. A synagogue of the Lemba tribe? Yes, yeah, so it's called Harare Lemba Synagogue. And which kind of sidur do they use? So they use a variety of different sidurim. I say the, the Lemba are currently involved in many different kind of projects of trying to create, uh, uh, like they, one of the projects they'll like to do is to have their own Haggadah. Right now they've just released their own CD but in terms of Sidur, they, they use just like any other uh, synagogue. They have some Sephardi uh, Sidurim, they have some Ashkenazi uh, with Ashkenazi in Nusach. Uh, but hopefully in the future, hopefully the, the Lemba will have their own. Is it new that they have like a synagogue uh, of their own or like uh, throughout history there, was, uh, there, there were like different Lemba synagogues? So throughout history, they would gather together. They didn't really have like a structure or building called a synagogue, but they did have gatherings. Yes. And they have, uh, in Zimbabwe, there's a particular area in which you'll find a high concentration of where the Lemba uh, li- uh, live. They live, like they live in, in a very, like a big area there. Very nice. And uh, you said that... Uh, they are keeping like uh, the traditions uh, of the of the second temple in some yeah. sort of way. Can you give us like some examples of how they are observing different traditions, like especially traditions that we know uh, from uh, from Jude from like Judaism here in America or in Israel? Yeah, so uh, one of the things I do know about like the, the Lemba community is, for instance, Brit Mila. Uh, initially, they, the Lemba started off with doing like eight-day eight day circumcision, but because in Zimbabwe they were persecuted in order to protect themselves, they shifted to eight years so that by the time uh, a boy is eight years old, no one could see that he was circumcised. And so that's where they, I'll say the Lemba were unique in that sense. The elders knew how to do the, the Brit Mila and the circumcision. Like they have particular people within the community who, who do that in uh, particular. And right now the Lemba and the elders want to go back to doing eight-day circumcision because that's where they came from. And now there is no persecution. So they want mm-hmm. to go back to connecting with, uh, with what they're ancestors did many many years ago and is there like a 
a ceremony when a kid getting to his eight years old and uh, having his uh, circumcision? Uh, yes, there is a ceremony, but I don't <laughs> I honestly don't know much much about it. Um, I'm a member of the synagogue. I myself am not uh, I am myself am not Lemba, but uh, I attend you, you, the synagogue. You didn't grow up Lemba. No, I didn't grow up Lemba. Um, I actually converted to Judaism, so I have like my own personal unique story. Uh, and it's just really fascinating that in Zimbabwe there's like it's so full with Jews with so many unique traditions and cultures and somehow I fit into. So, <laughs> so how did you find Judaism? Like you grew up not in a, in not in a Jewish background? No, not at all. So I grew up uh, Christian, but uh, I would say my family, we were not like re- religious in the sense that we went to church or anything. And I'll say I just grew up with the desire of wanting to connect to God and desire to learn more. And my journey started with me um, asking my mom why we didn't have a Bible of the house, and she went and bought one. And I just started reading it. And that led me on this whole journey of wanting to connect and search. And uh, many years later, I found myself um, wanting to connect more to, you know, the God in the, like the Old Testament, what Christians call it. And it led me to start looking at up words in Hebrew, like and start to look up origins of why I believed what I believed and um and it led me to Judaism and uh, which is the fa- the fascinating thing is that in Zimbabwe, I didn't have anyone tell me about Judaism. I just went online and started researching and started learning. So you just Googled Judaism and uh, started doing it by yourself? Yes, so I just started Googling and came across like really amazing websites that are really helpful for me. And uh, eventually I met a friend who told me there was a Jewish man teaching uh, Hebrew to students. And so I started learning the Alephet in Zimbabwe. And in this point, you didn't heard about any of the Jewish communities that there is in in Zimbabwe. No, it was only when I started learning doing the Hebrew lessons because mm-hmm. my teacher was Israeli and then moved to Israel uh, would teach uh, people how to read Hebrew and he would teach it close he lived close to the synagogue, and so that's where we would have the lessons and that was my introduction to actually seeing the synagogue and going to the community. And through that, I started attending services I did and participating, Shabbat, everything for two to three years. Um, at that time, I had no idea that I wanted to convert. It was more like a, a curiosity and wanting to understand more. And how did uh, the community react when they saw you coming like into the synagogue? Um, <laughs> it was really challenging because... I guess like the community is much older, and they were I guess I'll say a bit aloof and they didn't know why we wanted to be there um and so when I say we there i I didn't go through this journey alone. I had uh two other friends, one who we met at the synagogue, and another friend of mine who told me about my Hebrew teacher, and we used to go to synagogue together, and we kind of had this desire like we want to connect to to God, and this is the path that we feel is. We're being called to, um, and so we had we had each other, and there are like also wonderful people within the community who are welcoming, but 
it was it was challenging having to leave all you know and your background and then go into a community and still not feel like quite embraced or a welcome and also the fact that there's no rabbi in the community so it's like we weren't sure what we were doing what we were doing we're going to services we trying and i remember the first time i ever went to shul the only word i knew was baruch and the services in hebrew and we had to we would look at what the person is is what page the person was on and we'd go on to that page like we had no hebrew knowledge whatsoever and now i can you know i can say tehillim in hebrew and so it's like looking back i see like a huge difference and this community is it's the sephardic community so this community is combined um it's difficult for them to have a, Shab- uh, a minyan on Shabbat, so they combine services. So one, Shab- one Shabbat, you go to the Sephardi synagogue, and then the next Shabbat, you go to the Ashkenazi synagogue. But the, le- but the Lemba is out of the picture. No, the Lemba are not part of it. It's uh, completely separate. And when did you get to know the Lemba? So how, uh, the how I came up across the Lemba is actually a very... Uh, I don't know, I would say divine providence or coincidence that one time I was just like, I was feeling discouraged and I typed, I said to myself, they can't only be one synagogue, the, the, these two synagogues in Zimbabwe, there has to be more. So I typed on the internet, synagogues in Harare, and I came across the Kulana website and I found the Harare Lemba Synagogue. And then I got so excited, I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. Uh, and so... I tried to, I made a phone call. The phone wasn't available. Two months later, I tried again. And the president of the the synagogue, who's Modric, answered. And I, I mentioned, look, I'm part of the other community. I would like to attend services. And that's how I became, uh, that's how I became connected with the Harare Lemba Synagogue. And they're just very welcoming. Even though, like, the Lemba are a tribe and they have their own synagogue, they're very welcoming to all Jews. And, you know, I, would, I really owe them a lot. And it's through them that I was able to move forward in my studies. And uh, they, they helped me along with Kalani to do my first conversion in the United States. And you felt more at home the moment you met, like, uh, uh, people from Africa, Jews from African origins? Did it help you? Yes, yes. Because I, I also, there was an understanding I feel like, uh, yeah, a feeling of home. Uh, and even my mother, who's not Jewish, would come. Like, at that time, we would, my mom would come with me to synagogue and participate in the lessons and in the classes. And the community knows my mother. They know my family. So it's like, that for me is something that's really special, that even though my family is not Jewish, they still feel, a, they know who I'm connected to. They know the people I've, start, I've decided to join. And then you went to the States to, to do your conversion. Why to the States? Uh, so because there's no rabbi in Zimbabwe, there's also no Beit Din. So it's, like, it's virtually impossible for anyone who wants to convert. Like right now I have a handful of friends who've been living as Jews, practicing Judaism, but cannot convert. And friends from? From Zimbabwe. Just people like you that uh, want to go uh, to get converted, found out about the Judaism by their own. Yes, they found out about Judaism on their own. They go to synagogue and 
you know, it's 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 a real challenge, and it's not like they can go to South Africa because to go to South Africa, you need to apply for a visa, you need to find a job. It means uprooting yourself to just, and it's not that they're doing it for just like any reason. It's for religious reasons, and the process is not easy. And so they find they find themselves in a situation where. They want to convert, they just don't have the means. And so Kalanu, like, I, like I'm like i so grateful. I was able, and it was also through Hashem, I was able to come to the United States. Uh, they arranged a, a bait din for me, and I did uh, my first conversion. So when I say co- first conversion, I did another conversion in Israel, um, which I complete, completed in 2017. And how was it to go through different two different conversions? Um, I would say I feel like it was all part of the plan <laughs> um, because I, I learned I learned something from both but like it's not just repeating the same process no the conversions were completely different and also in terms of uh, practice uh, my the conversion I did in in Israel is an Orthodox conversion and in my in terms of practice and belief I'm uh, an Orthodox Jew and the conversion program I did happened to be a very unique program in the sense that I I was connected with 30 people from other countries. I remember walking into the classroom and seeing a map of the world and seeing uh, Thou Shall Love the Convert on the wall. And I looked for the map of my country on that map and I found it. And it was very special. And then I got to meet all the other women in the class. And they came from 30 different countries. And then getting to ask them why they decided to come to Israel. And they also had this lech lecha call, like, leave, leave your home, leave everyone you know, and come and follow me. And there were other people who did that in ways that even I couldn't imagine. And in the time that you already came to Israel for the conversion, you already knew quite a lot about Judaism. You already studied and uh, knew like the different parts of Jewish law and everything. Yes, yes. Uh, when I went to Israel, uh, I went as a Massah participant. So Massah Israel provides scholarships for young Jews to do a gap year in Israel. And I, went, I studied at the Pardes Institute of, Jew- uh, of Jewish Studies. So when I went and I did my second conversion, I did have knowledge of Judaism and I was practicing and, and living as as a Jew. And what was the reaction of your uh, your communities in Africa like after the conversion? Like uh, how did they respond? Did you feel something different? Um, I would say people were just really happy for me because it's something that is is difficult and I w- a lot of people asked me how it happened like how did this happen because like coming from Zimbabwe in a country where you know Jewish life you have to you have to make it it's like it's not like you can just walk walk out and go to a store and buy a sidur or you can just keep Shabbat you have to intentionally make space for Judaism in your life Whereas in other countries, they have communities and they have people they can connect with. Uh, and so I'd say people were very, people were very happy, happy for me. And when did you make your Aliyah? I made Aliyah in uh, 2018, in March. 
And since then, you have you ever been back to Zimbabwe? Has anyone came to visit you from Zimbabwe? So I have been to Zimbabwe. I was there for Yom Kippur in, uh, last year, uh, Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Um, I'm still I'm hoping my family will come and visit me. Uh, I have had uh, some Lemba, some friends who are from the Lemba community come to Israel and study for three months. Uh, so that for me was very exciting to see people from Zimbabwe and from my country come and study and do the state of Israel recognize the the Lemba tribe as Jews? No, they're not they're not recognized and it's uh, it's it's a very compl- complex issue because on the one hand the the Lemba strongly identify as Jewish and then uh, and then on the other hand there is the the question of like, you know, the community marrying with, you know, like intermarrying and all that. And it's, it's a very, it's, it's such a very, very complicated issue. And I, I wish there was some way people could get together and talk and try and, you know, uh, find a solution because just to, you know, there are people who practice Judaism just like everyone else. And it's, I would say it's a thorn for uh, some people. And now you are living in Israel. Uh, do you still see yourself like as a as a bridge for uh, the community back in Zimbabwe? Like uh, you 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 are trying to get there and to bring. Like I know that in Nigeria or Uganda, they are always looking for more books and scrolls and arba minim. Is it the same? Uh, issue also in Zimbabwe so I would say yes I do see myself as a bridge like every time I'm in Israel and Hagim come and I think of people back home for instance in Sukkot there I like it's not easy to get uh, lulav or etrog or you know for Pesach to get matzah or even wine or any of these things they're not easily accessible. And every time I'm in Israel, I think I just go to the store and I just buy it. I don't even have to think about it. And many times I think to myself, how could I help the community back home to have access to this? Because there are people who want to keep, keep the Chagim. They want to keep Shabbat. It's just they don't have the resources or they don't have a community that's uh, thriving enough in order that they can support themselves. So, for instance, in Zimbabwe, because of 90% unemployment, <clears throat> people don't understand that you have to take time off for Shabbat, that you have to, to take time off for Chagim. And so some Lemba find themselves having to choose between that and work because it's survival. They have to feed their families. And my dream and my hope is that, you know, one day there could be some kind of, some kind of project where they could have a business that's self-sustaining and... Um, you know, they could support each other and that they could they would have the freedom to be able to to work and still live their life as Jews. And is there any spe- specific uh, reaction you are getting in the states of Israel? Like uh, when people people are asking for your story, people, uh, how people react to your story in Israel? Um, so I'd say people are always very fascinated with my story. I would say the one challenge is that many times in asking, people don't realize that sometimes the questions can be hurtful. <laughs> so it's like people are curious, 
but sometimes the curiosity is not phrased in a way that is considerate to my background, considerate to who I am as a person. Um, and so that's that's uh, that's something that, and also as a as a convert in terms of feeling welcome, there's also that that comes into that. So there are many challenges that you have to deal. Yes. With. Yes. And do you have any? Like you said that you came with a Massa program the yes. first time. Uh, do you have like any other friends uh, uh, from uh, from Africa that came with you and or being living around you? Uh, um, I have had like friends who come for programs or come to study at Yeshivot or different institutions, but I can't say I actually have friends who are actually living in Israel, who have made Aliyah, um, who I've known from Zimbabwe, and they're actually living there. I have met people from Africa or something. By coincidence, somehow we connect and we find out, you know, like we were from the same country, but we didn't meet. Uh, but I would love to see, like, more... Uh, awareness and knowledge of African Jewry or just diverse com- diverse Jewish communities because one of the many questions I always get asked is there are Jews in Zimbabwe there are Jews in Africa I had no idea and that for me is like I wish people knew more about this because I feel like it's so important because Africa is a huge continent uh, it's so huge and people are missing out on so much knowledge of culture and tradition and people it is a huge a huge continent that uh in general uh usually get muted like when we are speaking about uh western dialect and uh, and everything and uh there's so many people and stories around there and uh it's really an opportunity for us uh you coming and telling us uh your own story uh is there anything like that you are missing in the like in the community level like now that you are involved in an Israeli uh, Jewish communities is there any like practices or traditions that are a, a slightly different in your homeland that uh, that you miss um, I'll say definitely the familiarity of I, th- I think it's culture uh, that there's I feel the difference of being in a synagogue in Zimbabwe as compared to a synagogue in Israel because there's the feeling of home. And so, yes, the service is exactly the same, but it's more about people who relate and understand my culture or my background or where I come from. Um, it's and a that's different kind of connection with it, the other people. Yes, it's a different kind of connection. And so I find I miss that a lot. And so if I'm anywhere and I see an, a Jew who's from Africa, there's this curiosity and there's an excitement because it's like, wow, there's someone who can understand who can understand me or you know understand certain cultural contexts. And for instance, like Africa as a continent is like it's such a huge continent. and within one country, you have, so much diversity in itself just in terms of languages so you can find one African country has more than six languages that are not even related to each other and it's like those kind of understanding that yes is just generally not there and actually this is another question I wanted to ask uh, 
In Israel, there is also a quite big non-Jews uh, African population. Uh, do, do you feel culturally connected with some of them as well? Like uh, I'm talking about the uh, war refugees and uh, the immigrants and so on. Ha, so on the one sense, there is some connection. And then on the other sense, <laughs> when it comes to the religious part, there's then... then I feel the difference. Yes. So I would say that it's just, it's one of those things. It's like on, on, one, on one hand you connect and on another hand there's also the different, the different aspect. Uh, yeah, that, that is a, it's, it's a complex issue. <laughs> and actually in Africa itself, like in Zimbabwe, uh, is there a connection, is it a good connection between the Jews and the non-Jews? Like uh, the Lamba... sure that you said that they are living with each other but yes. uh, uh, but I'm sure that they are neighbors and uh, and so on is it a good connection uh, between the Jews and the non-jews over there I would say in terms of like personal connection it's a good connection the only difficulty would come in terms of work so someone is like I can't go to work because it's Shabbat and Then the question comes is people are not, I would say in Zimbabwe, what I've come across, people are not so familiar or understand what, what is the Jewish community or, or what do they do. But in terms of like personal connection, I would say yes. Uh, there's also the fact that I'll say in some, some ways, just in terms, because the community is so small, so... Just the recognition of Jews in Zimbabwe is, is, is very, it's very minor. People are not like, aware. We are getting close to the end of this uh, very special program, and I wanted to ask if there is anything specific that you would like to add. Um, I'd like to say, well, just basically that um, I'm looking forward to engaging in more conversation and more dialogue about African Jewry, about Zimbabwe, uh, about networking, and just awareness of different cultures. Uh, and I think it's so important. And uh, we have so much as like Jewish people to learn and share with each other. And I will, especially as like young people, there are so many young African Jews who want to be active and want to participate in so much. And we're just waiting for the opportunity to do so. Thank you very much for coming here and helping us exploring and widening our Jewish ge- geography. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, inviting me. And uh, it's, been, it's been great being able to share and to speak with you about this. Moshe Chizkiah had lost his sister, Maya Leah. 
May this podcast will be dedicated for her memory.